0: I was reading the Toronto Star today after that really powerful uh, speech by Ukraine's President Zelensky yesterday in front of the House of Commons um, that there are a lot of Ukrainians wanting to come to Canada. It's just they're kind of stuck in this area of limbo. I-, I think that Zelensky did a great job of putting Canadians in the position of Ukrainian citizens. What would it be like if this happened here? He really tried to punctuate Uh, that this could happen anywhere, and that Ukrainians' lives changed one morning at 4 a.m. when bombs started dropping. And here's a little bit of that speech. You've heard about the bombings. Uh, Currently, we have 97 children that died during this war. Can you imagine famous CN Tower in Toronto? If If it was hit by Russian bombs... Of course, I don't wish this on anyone, but this is our reality in which we live. We have to contemplate. We have to see where the next bombing will take place. He's asking for a no-fly zone and continued support for Ukrainian forces uh, from Canada. I don't think the no-fly zone is going to happen. But the reality is there are more than 2 million refugees streaming out of uh, Ukraine and Svetlana trump Mitchuk is not one of them. She's actually a tourist from Kiev, and she arrived in Canada a week before the war began. She is a Ukrainian businesswoman, studied English in Canada, came to visit some friends, and just can't get home. Said, I, I don't really want to be a refugee because I'm really hoping my country will be free, but she can't work in Canada because she's on a visitor visa. Immigration lawyers say they've been fielding calls and messages from both Ukrainians still inside the country, and uh, people trying to get their families to Canada. Here to talk about immigration lawyer Lev Abramovich. Welcome to the show, Lev.
1: Good morning, Kelly.
0: So what kind of calls are you fielding? Are they they mainly from uh, Canadians who have loved ones in Ukraine that they want to bring here?
1: We're uh, handling a number of calls and inquiries. Primarily, we're dealing with people who are either in Ukraine or who have already left Ukraine and are trying to figure out what to do next. And I would say maybe a third of the calls are from people who are either relatives here or who are already here and are um, figuring out what they should be doing. There are a lot of questions about refugee protection, the new programs, next steps, et cetera.
0: How clear is the government, the feds on these new programs they've introduced uh, when it comes to the ins and outs of them and and how you can apply?
1: Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I want to give the government credit. They've been proactive. And we have to keep in mind that uh, the minister, the new minister, has inherited a system which is um, not functioning very very well, to sort of put it mildly. And uh, he's dealing with huge backlogs. He's dealing with the implementation of AI, which has been uh, sort of sporadic and lack transparency. Um, He's dealing with various sort of political and human objectives, if you will. So in the midst of that, he's been able been quite responsive to the situation now what the government is doing right now what has been implemented is the prioritization of current ukrainian files so we have seen ukrainian files get almost immediate instantaneous approvals which is great so for example we've had a client whose application was in the final stages of processing it was transferred from kiev to london she received approval she landed in canada and emotional reunification last Sunday uh, at Pearson. So that, that has been great. Now, uh, what has been announced uh, has not yet, with respect to the programs, has not yet been implemented. So what the government is talking about is, or what the government is going to do, rather, it, it's going to waive the visa requirement, but mm-hmm. there's going to be another application, and that application is going to be the Emergency Travel Authorization, which will still be submitted online, And as far as we understand, it will still require biometrics, and biometrics are essentially fingerprint and a photo, and that is done for security. And while it's great that the government is, is talking about or is going to introduce this new emergency travel program, essentially allowing Ukrainians to travel here without a visa, but getting biometrics in Ukraine is obviously impossible. Biometric centers in Poland are already experiencing long delays. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's some technical and procedural things that have to be worked out. And what we are advocating for is for them to either waive biometrics and to do them in Canada or to possibly create mobile biometric centers that will really be responsive to the situation. Because announcing a program with respect to temporary entry that uh, doesn't account for technicalities of biometrics um, is a bit of an issue with respect to sort of how this will practically work. So that's that's one thing that the government is doing. It's replacing the visa requirement with a travel authorization, and that will be granted uh, basically to any Ukrainian, as far as we understand who passes the security checks. Another thing that the government has talked about is a family reunification program for Ukrainians who have relatives here that are either permanent residents or citizens. We don't know the details. We are hoping that the government is going to extend the definition of a family member, Mm -hmm. And uh, lastly, the government is going to implement a program whereby those who are already in Canada are able to apply for a study or work permit. And this will essentially apply to people like Svitlana so that she is able to work and then possibly use uh, one of the economic programs to transition Mm -hmm. to permanent residency or, depending on the outcome of the war, possibly claim refugee protection.
0: Okay, for people that are not familiar with, you know, there are a lot of Canadians listening that were born here. They don't know a lot about immigration. Why would uh, Svetlana be avoiding refugee stra- stratus status? Rather, she just okay. wants so, to avoid it.
1: Of course. So, so there there are a few things to consider here. So, uh, from a sort of normal understanding of a refugee, Svetlana is certainly a refugee. But the refugee determination process is technical, so Svetlana will. Um, file her claim she'll go through several interviews she will provide her biometrics um, and her actual claim will be determined either in let's say three to four months best case scenario without a hearing or possibly it will be heard in about let's say 12 months and her claim will be heard or determined based on the situation on the ground at that time so even though one claims protection right now let's say upon arrival At Pearson Airport the claim will be determined at a future point and it will be assessed in light of the situation on the ground at that time and we still don't have crystallization with respect to how the war will end Mm -hmm. and uh, whether the person seeking protection will still qualify for protection at that time because the test is somewhat technical It, it stems from the UN Convention there are five enumerated grounds race religion political opinion nationality, membership of a particular social group, and there has to be a nexus, a connection between one of those crowns and her fear of persecution. And let's say the war ends, and Svetlana, for example, is from a region that stays um, in Ukraine. Right. Let's say, and by no means am I suggesting that this should be the solution, and so on, but sure. let's say hypothetically. There's some but if situation.
0: that's the case.
1: Yeah, if that's the case. But her, her region or Kiev Kyiv is still part of Ukraine, right? At that case, and you know, in that case, she her claim will be, you know, rejected and she will go back. Now, that, that is how the refugee determination uh,
0: Interesting. Works. So the, the threat is that you could one day be rejected if you right, haven't,
1: you if the claim has already rejected, gone through. But At the same time, you may not have anything practically to go back to life. Right, like, yeah. She... with Lama is not from Kyiv, but from another region. The region is devastated. There are mm-hmm. no jobs. The person has you now worked in Canada for maybe a year, a year and a half. They have established some connections to the country, right? Their refugee claim will be rejected. And if it is rejected, subject to certain appeal rights, they will have to essentially go back.
0: Sure, but it's the threat of your life being upheaved again, I guess, is yeah. is basically what you're saying. I would love to talk longer, uh, Lev, but I've got to, um, to move on because I'm running out of time here. But in the last 30 seconds... Uh, Can you tell me, if there are people listening right now, you're not telling me, but you're telling people of Ukrainian uh, Canadians listening or Ukraine's here, uh, where they can go for resources if they want to find out more?
1: Right. So go to the Canadian Bar Association's immigration page. So just type Canadian Bar Association Immigration Lawyers Ukraine into Google. You'll be able to get resources. Continue following IRCC announcements on Twitter and otherwise. Uh, that's another good resource. And just wait for the, for the details with respect to the programs. They're going to be announced. And finally, we highly recommend speaking to an immigration lawyer prior to making any sort of decision. A refugee protection may be an option for you. Perhaps you should hold up, etc. Really understand your options. Educate yourself. Don't rush into anything and follow the latest developments.
0: Lev, I want to thank you for your time. I uh, hope that you'll come back and join us when the announcements have been made about uh, government supports. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. We'd love to speak about that.
0: All right. Cheers.